Hey guys, Jules here. So this morning I have a very special guest in the studio. All right. So can you can you say your name for me? My name is Leo. And by studio, I mean a desk in my bedroom. <laughs> and this handsome, smart fellow is my oldest son, Leo. I asked Leo to talk with me today about some of the things that he has been reading lately. A few months back, I noticed something with Leo. Now, Leo has always been a really good reader, but he hasn't seemed to quite dive into the world of books yet, right? He reads his allotted time, right? What we tell him to read. <laughs> and then he's done. He's on to other things. And that is until he was introduced to the world of graphic novels. All right, so here's my question for you, Leo. How quick did you read that Bible that Daddy and I bought you? About five months. Five months? Are you sure it was that long? Hmm? I think it was shorter than that. Three months. <laughs> exactly. Good. The Bible Leo is referring to, by the way, is called the Action Bible, and it's a graphic novel Bible, which is absolutely amazing. <laughs> I can't express how beautiful this Bible is, and more importantly, how much Leo just loved it. He was reading this Bible all the time, at night, in the morning, at the dinner table, in the car. It was just, it was unbelievable. And it was actually a little bit of a funny thing to have to constantly ask your kid to put down the Bible <laughs> and listen to your mother, right? But I couldn't believe how fast he read this book. I mean, it was an absolutely enormous book. Why do you think you read that Bible so much faster than the other Bibles that we've gotten you? Because it was like a comic and I really liked to read it. You I like read it a really long a lot like twice a day. You did. You read it a lot. After this experience with my son, there was no doubt in my mind what genre of book I wanted to talk about next. <laughs> I am so thrilled about this one, you guys. This episode is just fun and light and exactly what we need. This is the story of Finian and the Seven Mountains in the Age of the Hero. living in sort of a cultural hole over the last decade, <laughs> you probably are aware that the most popular movie genre for the new millennia are based off of comic books. The DC and Marvel franchises have completely dominated the film landscape and our pockets <laughs> for the last decade. For example, as of 2017, the Marvel movie franchise has grossed 10 billion dollars worldwide. That's a gross profit, by the way, from the movies. They are wildly popular and their resurgence has forced many people in the public arena to re-examine the genre from which they came, comic books. So one day on Facebook, I stumbled across a new Catholic publishing house. Now, I happened to be looking for some new reads for my son, and you can imagine my excitement when I came across a brand new publishing house dedicated to Catholic 
comic books, voyage, comics, and publishing. You see, there have been several years now graphic novels for kids, which told the stories of saints and other historical narratives, but I couldn't seem to find the adventure, fantasy, fiction comic books, which are so popular right now in the broader culture and which my kid is so drawn to. That is until I stumbled upon voyage comics and this guy. My name is Phil Kozlowski, and I am the founder of Voyage Comics and Publishing. Phil and his family live in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, and Phil has spent most of his professional life working in the church in some capacity. After getting a degree from the University of St. Thomas, he worked in parish ministry, got his master's from the Augustine Institute, and then began a career in writing. And then eventually I started blogging for the Nash Catholic Register for a couple of years and then started to write for uh, Alatea. Now, before we dive into Phil's comic books and the inspiration behind them, I think it's important that we take a very brief journey back. (laughs) Because while we may know of the comic franchise in popular culture, many of us aren't aware of the history of the genre. So with Phil's help, we're going to dive into the world of comic books. Well, you know, technically speaking, you know, comic books, they're pictures put into sequence that tell a story. And so, you know, you could say really the first, you know, comic books weren't necessarily books, but, you know, churches. And this wasn't just churches, by the way. Some scholars have argued sequential visual storytelling has been around for millennia. I mean, think about it. Think of ancient hieroglyphics of the Egyptians or even early Christian practices on the walls of the catacombs. All of these employed the same technique visual storytelling. Remember, literacy is a relatively new phenomenon, and for most of history, the majority of the population learned through visuals, including, as Phil mentioned, those in the church. You see, the institutional church was no dummy. (laughs) They knew the best way to get their message to a broader audience was through visual storytelling. And so within their churches and their stained glass and their sacred art, they would tell stories of the gospels and the lives of the saints. Oftentimes, these sequential pictures were even put into manuscripts for further use. And over the centuries, with the invention of the printing press, the medium slowly started to be refined. In the mid-1800s, comic strips first hit the scene in local newspapers all over the country, employing the same sequential picture patterns to tell incredibly short, often funny stories. And then, the first ever modern comic book, Famous Funnies, was published in 1933. From what I can tell, like these first comic artists in the, like in the 1920s and 30s, they did look at some of these, you know, medieval manuscripts for kind of inspiration. And so really, you know, it's it's a very old technique. Uh, it's just been kind of refined over the years and made kind of modern. And with the arrival of the Superman comic book in 1938, the golden age of comics was ushered into the modern world. Which brings 
us to our story, our comic book for today, Finian and the Seven Mountains, written by Phil and illustrated primarily by the artist Michael Lavoy, with the help from Jim Fern, who worked for DC and Marvel Comics for 30 years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Finian and the Seven Mountains is the first in a series of comics which center around the voyage of a young man, Finian, and the monks of Skellig Michael. Now, a bit of a disclaimer here. We're only going to be talking about the plot very briefly. <laughs> as you know, comic books tend to be pretty short. And as I wrote the script for today, I realized that delicate balance that I had in making sure I didn't give too much of the story away. <laughs> so to make sure I don't get too excited and completely spoil things, I'm going to let Phil take it from here. What exactly is Finian and the Seven Mountains? Well, it begins... The series is, you know, an older teenager who he lost his parents to a Viking raid and he leaves this monastic school that he was in to kind of search for this kind of like this magic sword that was rumored to be on this island. Fidian travels to the island where he encounters a group of monks. And at first, things don't go very smoothly for poor Finian. <laughs> the monks do not take him seriously. They don't actually believe there is a sword. That is until Finian discovers an ancient map. A map which contains many secretive locations. They don't know exactly what's at these places, but in the next couple issues of this series, they discover kind of what's what's at these different places. But what's a comic book series without a dueling villain? <laughs> and in the case of Finian and the Seven Mountains, the central villains are a Viking squad who have destroyed so much of the way of life for the islanders and who are also in search of the magical sword. Okay, that's it. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but my kid and I know how you feel because like any good comic book, the story ended on a cliffhanger, which was so hard for my Leo. <laughs> but the beauty and maybe even the torture of comic books is you have to wait till the next issue. And that's where Leo and I find ourselves waiting for the next issue, which is set to come out next month, by the way. But in the meantime, as we wait, let's dive into the why. Why did I choose to do an episode, not just on comic books, but on this particular comic book? Well, we're going to, as I've done in past episodes, separate our story into three parts to understand a little bit more about the incredible achievement of Finian and the Seven Mountains. So part one, the importance of sacred places. When I first reached out to Phil, I had assumed he was just a lifelong collector or devotee of comic books, right? <laughs> and that's why he chose this particular medium. But that's not entirely true. While Phil has always liked comic books, there was actually another inspiration for this series. And it begins in a magical place. There's this island in off the coast of Ireland called Skellig Michael, and it played a big part in the most recent Star Wars movies, uh, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. After going to see the movie, Phil realized how interesting it was that in the movies, Skellig Michael is in a sense used as a pilgrimage place for the Star Wars universe. Phil saw a connection between the fantasy and the real life story. In fact, it is a pilgrimage place in, you know, in the real world, since it was a place where um, these Irish monks lived for, you know, several centuries. Because this island is 
just so beautiful and, and you know it has a very powerful visual component to it i just i felt drawn to tell their story to kind of in a certain sense bridge the gap between you know history reality and and the star wars universe to kind of show the truth beauty and goodness of of this actual place. There is something authentically Catholic about what Phil is doing here, but not in the way you may think. Phil told me he wanted a Catholic story, but he didn't want to be preachy, right? He wanted Catholicism to be an underlayer of the story, but he also wanted everyone to be able to enjoy it. Now, when I speak of the Catholic thing that Phil is doing, I mean in how he presents the sacredness of the land itself. Phil is touching on an ancient but important tradition, particularly in that part of the world. It's the idea of the closeness of God's presence, which can be felt more in certain places. I think we all have had experiences like this, but for those familiar with the Celtic tradition, this idea is infused in their very lives. In terms of just our human experience, there's beautiful locations in the world that just kind of speak silently of God. And it's it's those places where you go to them and you just you experience kind of this this mystical reality that, you know, it's it's kind of like where where heaven meets earth. Phil specifically refers to the Celtic tradition of thin places or a thin veil. And the way I've heard the story of thin places goes like this. The land is so holy and the prayers of the people so strong that the prayers slowly wear down the wall between heaven and earth, forming a thin place between our world and our heavenly home. This meeting of heaven and earth is just kind of like there's this thin veil that it gets thinner when you go to these places. And so as you can imagine, this was the perfect setting for our story. A mystical holy land guarded and cared for by holy men of prayer. The fusing of the fantasy and the historical, the natural and the supernatural. Which brings me to part two, the importance of legends. Remember, we began our episode talking about the massive popularity of comic books in the modern era. And as we should always be prone to do, we need to ask ourselves why. (laughs) What is it that so many people are drawn to, not just in the books, but in the stories themselves, that has made this particular genre stand the test of time? When Phil set out to write this series, there was one central component that he felt he would make him stand out. Original stories. We've mentioned this already in this episode, but there are some really wonderful Catholic graphic novels and some comic books right now, but most of them are based in historical realities. They're often stories of saints or historical conquests, but Phil wanted to do something a little different. He wanted the stories which were entertaining and inspiring, but he had an entire tradition which he could turn to. And one of the inspirations behind all of my stories are 
I guess you could say, medieval traditions or legends of the past. These adventure stories are infused with greater truths, along with entertaining plot lines and beautiful visuals. And in doing so, they capture our hearts and our imaginations and ultimately point to something greater. Kind of living in the you know 21st century, a lot of times we kind of dismiss these legends as, you know, well, of course, they could have never happened. And we kind of are, are skeptics about them. But from my point of view, I think, you know, even if, you know, there wasn't actually, you know, dragons that, you know, like St. George fought, that really is, there's a lot of truth there that kind of underlies these stories. And, and you know, really, they really capture our imagination and, and kind of express these spiritual truths in, in a visual way that I think you know, a lot of people enjoy. The realm of fantasy has the ability to communicate certain supernatural realities in our own lives. It is why it was a favorite genre of so many Christian apologists and writers, even to this day. C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, Chesterton, Michael O'Brien, Madeline Langle, they all employed the genre of fantasy as a means of conveying certain supernatural realities. Chesterton is famous for one saying, Fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. They already know dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed. But that reality points to something else going on when legends and fantasy weave together in comic books. The most popular comic books in our American history, but also worldwide, Japan is actually the most popular market for comic book styles and what is called manga. But most often, these comic books are hero stories. Superheroes with cosmic, almost supernatural sounding powers who battle the villain and inevitably save the day. Even in Finian, you get the sense that the central character, Finian himself, is set apart for some reason. And even though you know that Grace is at work, you find yourself rooting for him, for Finian. So, what is it that we're drawn to with these stories? Why is it that this genre reaches so many? I think in, you know, really in every age, we we have a desire, even, you know, we may not admit it, but we have a desire for excellence and a desire to be challenged to do something good with our lives. And also, especially when, you know, we see the world in, in turmoil and, and innately we want to have hope. And this hope that we cling to, it's because we know that good has, in a sense, always prevailed. Even the staunch atheist <laughs> can't help but believing that things will be okay, that the victory is already won something in us as humans. We want to believe in the hero. We want to believe that ultimately when things become dark or lonely or scary, we want to believe that people are good and hope will prevail. In the Christian tradition, obviously we know that Jesus is our hope. But I want us to think of these superhero stories not as pointing to an alternative, but inherently there's something about them that we're drawn to because it's something which is actually pointing to the source of all hope. Many of the superheroes, you know, maybe they might be, you know, part alien or or they have some sort of 
you know, augmented like, you know, a science project gone wrong or something. So they're, so they're humans. They're kind of like these superhumans, but they do share a lot of you know qualities with with Jesus and and just kind of the supernatural power, you know, where they save people. And, you know, that's it's just it's attractive. And I think it's it's kind of it's just something with within us as as humans that we we desire a savior. from our mouths When did we give up wanting each other's hearts And when it's everything we have It's all that made us grow But when that branch grew sick Everything crumbled And when our words don't that should bring hope We're drifting apart Like two untethered bones And when did we lose touch Knowing Seeking brings me to part three. And it's really the whole reason I wanted to do an episode on a comic book in the first place. When I think of my sweet son and his love for this genre, I know ultimately what gets him excited. Comic books and graphic novels, I think they're just, they're more generally accessible and they're easier to pick up by a wider audience. And of course, this isn't too much of a surprise. There is an ease of which comic books tell stories. Recently, I tried reading The Hobbit out loud to my oldest children, and while they loved it, they struggled to visualize some of the concepts and characters. That is until I found the most beautiful graphic novel of The Hobbit. There's actually a link on my website for it. And all of a sudden, (laughs) they had visuals to go with the story. And because of how my kiddos learned, they kept asking for me to read The Hobbit more once they had the visuals. But there is one deeper reality at play here as well. And it's something I've been thinking a lot about in my own life. Our minds and hearts are drawn to the truly beautiful. As much as I love the story of Finian and the Seven Mountains, the whole project would fall apart if the visuals were not as stunning as they are. It seems to be part of, you know, in a certain sense, our our human DNA that we're drawn to to beauty, to look at beautiful things. and, And so, you know, comic artwork that's done well expresses that 
that beauty. I was so impressed with how beautiful this book is. The artistry is really quite amazing. And without these stunning visuals, the story wouldn't seem to be as powerful. And this is the same thing I saw in the Action Bible, which is breathtaking, and the Hobbit graphic novel too. The visuals, in a sense, draw us further in. We know this by now, listeners. We know that beauty isn't simply some utilitarian, what I can get out of it thing. (laughs) We know that beauty is a gift. A gift which is constantly drawing us deeper into the life of God. And that's exactly what happens when you enter into the story of Finian and the Seven Mountains. It is thoughtful, it is entertaining, and ultimately it is so very beautiful. I can't wait for you to read it, listeners. (laughs) God bless you all, and we'll see you in a few weeks. so so much to Phil for letting me interview him about his awesome comic book series Finian and the Seven Mountains. Please visit our website for more information on how to buy this series, information about when the new issue comes out, which is very exciting, and thank you to Joe Zambin for letting me use his song Untethered. We'll be back in two weeks, folks. I hope your lunch is going beautifully. God bless you, and we'll see you then.